Welcome back, the Real Champs Podcast listeners. What's up? It's your host, Mushtaq Nizambi. Uh We're obviously here with podcast number four, episode number four, however you want to think of it. It's been a while since we've gotten to you guys, and we've spoken. But this time is even better because we've added to the party. We've added to, as Hassan calls it, and Christopher calls it, Accent FC. We now have Anthony who's from the United States. Of course, I'm going to let them all introduce themselves. So we're going to go in that order. Hassan, Chris, and then Anthony. Boys, drop your socials. Everyone, please give them a follow on Twitter because they just tweet about awesome stuff. And they're actually quite funny, believe it or not. Uh, yeah, guys, go ahead. So what's up, peeps? I'm back again uh, at the House Kareem. If you want to follow me on Twitter, please do. Be generous. I'm trying to build that count up. Uh, Chris, take it. Hey, I'm Chris. Twitter is at K underscore MC06. Follow me there for Lucas Vasquez propaganda. <laughs> What's going on? I'm Anthony representing Philadelphia at Shopa AJ, S H O P A A J on Twitter. Uh, look for the big pineapple. That is me. I got to say, that is the most American intro ever, representing Philadelphia. I love how <laughs> proud Americans are of their, like, states and cities and themselves. It's, it's quite admirably cute. I don't know about um, it, uh, being proud. It's just, like, it's more of a warning. Like, yeah, I'm from Philadelphia, so. Why, are, you guys, like, are you guys, like, badasses in Philly? I I, I don't know anything about Philadelphia. Rocky Balboa is from Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I know you guys probably don't know anything about American football really too much about it, but uh, Philadelphia is known for being just like a little uh, loud and rowdy, to put it nicely. Wait, who's you? What team do you guys have? Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, okay. They just won the Super Bowl, that's, that's... actually. So there's, there's. Yeah, was like, yeah. You guys are the one that turned your city upside yep, down. Yep, we did all the damage. The that was us. Yeah, there was literally a dude who ate horseshit. Yes, oh my god. <laughs> I, I swear to God, like, on my life, like, I don't know why you do that. That's, that, a, that's a 50-year championship drought right there. That's what that is. Jeez. Thank God you're a Real Madrid fan. Could you imagine all the issues you'd oh, have? It would have been rough. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Anyway, let's get to real football. No, I'm just kidding, Anthony. I'm just messing. Uh, but let's get to Real Madrid. So, so far, as we said earlier, the La Liga campaign has started. We're two games in. We're going to round three. I think it is September 1st, whenever that is. I think that's a Saturday. But so far, we're two for two. I didn't look at the, the books in the last little while, but I always feel like we have these rough starts to the year. Like something goes wrong. Like we make some stupid mistake. But two for two is pretty impressive to me. So I want to go around. Everyone, one minute. Your thoughts on the two games, just nice and easy, quick and simple. Uh, Anthony, since you're the newcomer, you go first. Let's hear it. All right, so two for two, I'm not surprised. Just from the opponents, Real Madrid face, Satafe and Girona. And Champions League has not started, so Real Madrid is not, um, I guess, we're, we don't have our hands full yet because we don't have to worry about Champions League and guarding our title. But in the league, I the first two games – Lepedegui had to make himself known. He had to, like, pretty much show people why he was brought in, and two for two is not a bad start for that. Chris, you're one minute. Well, I uh, I said most of this in my reaction to the Girona piece, but this is the just the seventh time in 19 seasons that Madrid have won their opening two games of the La Liga season. And they've won four league titles off those seven seasons. In comparison, Barcelona have done it nine times in the same time span and won seven out of those nine league titles. So it's really, really good start, really encouraging start. And especially considering how much problems Girona caused us in the first half, it was kind of a it was a real gritty performance, a kind of showing that we're used to seeing in April, but not this early in the season. So it's been a really encouraging start. So good omens then, basically. Yeah. Very good omens. Well, thank you, Chris. That's why you're here, to look up all the stats for us. That's why you're awesome. <laughs> That's why I love you. Anyway, Hassan, you're one minute. Let's hear it. What can I say? Barcelona fans are top of the table, boys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I must admit, to be fair, when I saw Girona away the second game of the season, I was a bit nervous. Because especially from last year, usually those kind of games are where 
Madrid will go and trip up. So I think it's it's a good sign the fact that we can go the first half aside and blitz them four one. Especially like last year, you consider after that first half performance, you'd think we would have been down like two 0 if we were last season basically. So I think so far so good. I'm actually quite happy with the football that's being played and the performances generally that are being put in. I think the sharper the team gets, the the stronger performances will get. I've got a good good eye on this season. I think. Well, getting more into into the details, who has been, for each one of you, the best player so far? Tony Cruz. It's not even a not even a question. I think he's been absolutely insane for the first two games. Do you, do you think him and Germany not making it through kind of helps contribute to that? I think he probably definitely triggered something in his mind in the sense of like I've just had one of the biggest embarrassments in my life. I'm going to go and set the world on fire now, pretty much. I mean, I think he's completed well, nearly 100 passes in both games or over 100 passes in both games. Something stupid like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, this is pretty insane. Like, his, his conversion rate on passes attempted and passes completed is always, like... 98%. I think every time I've crazy. done a player ratings, it's above 90%. I don't want to sound greedy or anything, but, like, I kind of expect that from Tony Cruz at this point in his career. Yeah, I can see your point yeah. in that regard, for sure. But um, I think it's just... this. Especially in this current system as well, he's such a vital piece in terms of controlling the game and stuff. So I think it's even more vital now that he's performing than it was, say, in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, especially these first two games with Luka Modric coming off the bench, right? It's usually been the two of them running rampant in the midfield and not having Modric there. I think Cruz stepping up his game even more. I think he even played deep in that second game or maybe it was the first game. I mean, it just shows a lot of, a lot of character and you know versatility of the player. Something that a lot of people don't give Cruz credit for. People say, well, oh, well, his passes are just within you know a ten to fifteen yard space, and they're just one touches. What does that do? But anyway, uh, Chris, who's your best player of the the season so far? Of course, it's just two games, but who are you liking? We're gonna touch on this later, I think. But I'm kind of split between Bale and Benzema. So we yep. earmarked them that we needed them to have a good season if we were going to play well, and they have not disappointed. Uh, like we already we were saying before we started that Benzema's what, 40% of the way there to match in his league tally from last season. <laughs> One of the things I've noticed, though, is his body language, just the way he's holding himself on the ball and you know pro- running at defenders. He's much more confident this season than he was last. He has a point to prove, I think, and he's he looks really, really good, really encouraging. Uh, Bale's been Bale. I keep saying the same thing, but it seems every time we pass it to he either gets a shot or a cross or he puts a dangerous ball in low across the box and no one's there to me at the other side. Uh, I'd also like to give a shout out to Nacho as well, who's just been admirable in filling in for Varane. Anthony, who's your best player? Uh, I'm splitting mine between Bale and Ramos. Granted, I am very biased to Ramos. I've always loved Ramos, but just as a captain and losing a piece like Ronaldo, I think he's handled it very well. Even with the press, he might have gotten a little upset about Ronaldo's comment about Juventus being a family, but Ramos has just been handling everything very well. And I think pairing him with Varane or Nacho works extremely well. He's got chemistry with both. They got the Spanish connection, and Varane and Ramos have been winning Champions Leagues for the past, it feels like, t- decade. But. Uh, I mean, it's got to be Ramos. And, of course, Bale, I always said, if he could stay healthy, he's – the talent has always been there. That's never been the reason why he wasn't playing. It's always just been the injuries and recovering. So, once he stays healthy, he's a complete problem. Nobody can really guard Bale one-on-one when it comes on the wing because he's either gliding past you or swinging the ball around you. Not really much you can do about it. Well, we've all discussed who our best player is so far. Um, I'll I'll reserve my comments for later because I got some serious heat that I'm packing. <laughs> um, but who I, I know it's hard to say. You know, I don't want to say who's the worst player so far, but who kind of needs to step, step up their game that we've seen get onto the pitch and maybe not be as fluid as we'd like to see. Well, I know you're gonna hate my suggestion, so I'll just fire it out first. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> anyway, Hassan, uh, next, Christopher, please go ahead. Oh, you're not going to get any 
help from me here. I have the same answer as Hanson. <laughs> All right, Anthony, who's your worst player so far? I'm scared to say anything now because I'm not really sure. Oh, no. Yeah, Anthony doesn't even know. I don't think Anthony knows who my favorite player is. Um, well, I love this guy, but I'm going to have to say Marcelo. Oh, that's the correct answer. Uh, he's, he just like, I mean, I love Marcel. He's got that magic touch and obviously offensively, I'll never have a problem with him. Every time he swings the ball in, it's beautiful and dangerous, but defensively, I mean, middle of the season, he's fine getting back and everything, but you can just see the hole that it leaves on the, on the wing over there when he goes up. Cause he's not in shade to get back yet. He also has no replacement either at the moment besides Nacho. I don't for those of you who watched the game, like if when he was subbed off and he sat down, he just looked completely drained and he just let out this big sigh. He was covered in sweat, pale, and he just let out this big sigh. He looked absolutely shattered. I don't know if he was fit to start that game against Rona. No, I definitely Porsche. didn't look it. Burnt him alive. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised that he's playing, you know, such a heavy amount of minutes. I mean, Brazil didn't make it to the final or anything, but Still plays a fair amount of football. I think he played the full 90 minutes of every game Brazil had, I think. Well, he was injured for one game, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, no, okay, yeah, he may he have missed was. the one game, but he was pretty much throughout that, that entire tournament he was there by that one game. Anyway, Hassan, go for it. Who is your, your player that needs to step up? I think up? Isco needs to step up really, really big. Oh. I, I think against... Against Girona, he was just a complete passenger. I don't feel that... I mean, by the assist, which was fantastic, was the best thing he did all game. But mm-hmm. other than that, okay. I don't feel he did much. I think he held onto the ball too long at times. I think his passes were astray. He just seems very off at the moment. That's fine. It's okay. I can take that. Don't <laughs> worry. Uh, Chris, who's your needs-to-improve player of the two games so far? Um, I, I kind of don't feel any player desperately needs to pick up form. I'd agree with Hassan. Isco's been a bit underwhelming. I'm not really worried yet. I think he's still kind of finding his feet in the new system. He's playing a bit, he's playing a lot kind of deeper than he did under Zidane and it's much more disciplined position as well. Um, I'm going to, this is a strange shout, but the only, kind of the only player I want to see pick up is Modric and Varane in training because I'm just desperate to see these guys in the start in 11 again. I dig that. I I mean, I think everyone's eager to see Modric and Ferran come back. It's been a while. I just hope that there is no rush for them to come back, because I would hate to see one of them pick up an injury or, or something. Well, their, their backups have filled in well. It's just, it's really just me saying, I can't wait to see Modric and Ferran play here. If, we're, if we look... As good as we do now, imagine what those two are going to do for us. Definitely. I'm waiting to see how long it takes for Modric to get like kind of pissed off that Asensio is starting over. Yeah, that's I, an interesting development, to be fair. I but... think yeah, a lot of people are forgetting that like Modric did basically play an extra game than everyone else at the World Cup because Croatia went into extra time. In Was it like every game in the knockouts, apart from yeah. the football? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he played over 700 minutes of football. And then Varane reached the final, and he was he started for us last season as well. So I think, yeah, I think something people do need to realize is like the likes of Marcelo, uh, Varane, and Modric, they all played heavy minutes over the last three years for us. And they also played a lot of minutes at the World Cup, too. So it's going to take them a bit longer to get sharp again. <clears throat> I. I... I definitely agree. It's just, even the, the thing with Marcelo, like you guys were saying, he looked a bit drained. I, I wish we had somebody who could fill in. I mean, it it would be nice if he could get a bit of a rest early on before we like truly get deep into the season. Well, it was supposed to be Regulon, but he hasn't been, has he been in the squad? I don't think so. I haven't seen him in the squad and he looked it's good really weird. Season as well. Yeah, and really Lopetegui said that he'd be a first-team player, but he hasn't been picked at all. I suppose. Well, I suppose with Varane on the bench, and then we saw it against Girona, he he brings Varane on for Marcelo, and then switches Nacho to left back. So while Nacho is kind of an option, there's not a huge 
depth though, yeah. That's why I was confused why Teo wanted to just get out of there so bad because knowing Marcelo's history, you know, he takes a couple of knocks throughout the season and Teo actually got like I don't want to say a decent amount of time, but he got his he got his playing time and when he did get in, it wasn't anything to be like, Oh wow, I'm really confident in this guy. Like he can take Marcelo's shoes. Like he still has some things to learn. A lot of going up to do, like yeah, he was so eager to leave. I was just like a little shocked. I was like, I think it was also the club's decision too because they wanted to see him at his age. They wanted to see him get proper minutes. Yeah, especially when his brothers yeah. like just rocked it, it up. It's in, silly like, to keep him on the bench. I keep saying it. These loan deals is the type of thing you'd love to be a fly on the wall in that, like, in the boardroom when they decide it. Because if they feel that strongly about. Teo going out on loan, why is Marcus Lorente not getting the, you know, why is he not being put out on loan too, especially with Espanyol pushing, but I don't know. Anyways, it I think was... the depth at CDMs is even worse than it is at left back, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, we don't really have CDMs besides Casemiro. Yeah, well, like I said, there, just saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's just one of those things that you'd love to be sitting next to Perez and Lopetegui when they're discussing it. I'm a little salty right now because I looked up the stats on who scored to see how East goes done. And it's not that great, to be honest. I mean, his like his most notable stat is 88.9 pass completion. And he went five for six on long balls and two for two on through balls. But I hate to say it. But like he wasn't really alive apart from that assist. Yeah, That's okay. Him and Asensio have lost possession most of any player on both both against Getafe and against Girona at the times I've checked it's always been to be fair it's only five times between the two each yeah but still you'd be hoping they're also and I think that's a fair assessment I think Essentials look dangerous like even when he has lost the ball he still looked dangerous two games there hasn't been that many times where I thought Isco's looking threatening at the moment like I thought against Girona Essentials was on it yeah, and he's been—he was very good against. I think, like, if I had to pick a best player apart from the ones that you guys had picked, um, I think mine would actually be Asensio. Like, he—he's not looked, you know, as uh, the sparks haven't always been flying over ninety minutes. But I feel like once he gets into a groove, which has yeah, happened 100%. in the second half of both games, like he's looked. The, the thing I like about him is like the confidence, like the little backheel drags of like the the small like pirouettes on, on the left side of the box where Marcelo's near him like that takes balls at that age I mean I think yeah, the only thing missing good. from Asensio's games right now is literally just contributions of a goal or an assist it's the only thing that's missing he's doing everything else yeah, right I definitely agree. you know everything if, if he could get you know what I'm still waiting for from Asensio is that this screamer that he usually throws in every now and then. that like 30 yard yeah, yeah that, like, monstrosity he unlaunches <laughs> it's just oh that last pound was strike last season just pops into my brain when I think of well we can have fire it's like he that. doesn't know how to score normal goals like, that's a weird thing yeah anyway I think it's it's all a matter of time I think the pieces are slowly coming together and players will pick up form as yeah, the no, season I think once up. it really very... clicks this team will be, will be very dangerous once it really properly clicks yeah I agree but let's get back to like the actual, you know, podcast thing. Uh, you guys are the tactical geniuses here. Definitely not me. That's why I'm the host, by the way. If no one knows. <laughs> like that's what I. That's what I slyly threw it, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll be the host." Because I don't really know as much. But um, some some people are saying that Julian is more Zidane. Some people are saying he's more Spanish national team. So, my first question to you guys is, one, has he created his own style? Like, does he have his own style, or is it a hybrid of both, or is that just perspective and how people choose to see it? I think because that's how you choose to see it. I mean, I personally don't see that much similarity between Zidane's system and this one. Um, If anything, I think this one's much more attractive to watch. Um, I think the only time it's only showed similarities was a few brief moments in the Girona game where they just decide to throw crosses in for absolutely any reason possible. Uh, other than that, across the two games, it looks like a different side to me, at least, anyway. I don't, I don't know whether the others agree or not, but 
You want... Chris, what are you thinking? Uh, I think he's making his own style at Madrid. Uh, he's more organised than Zidane was, which is really appreciated. I think that helped us against Girona because if it was to Z- Zidane, it would have been just helter-skelter, crossing, looking for a goal to go ahead or something like that. Um, he, if his system does share similarities, it's probably with the Spanish national team. But I think the notable difference is that he's never had a player of Bale's quality, for instance, up front for Spain. Yeah. He's kind of always had to work around... I mean, Diego Costa never really kicked off at Spain, and he's always had to kind of work around that striker issue, whereas with Madrid, he has a very obvious clear goal scorer. Um, it's probably a bit early to make comparisons. Like, it's hard to believe, but it's still only two games in. He's still kind of experimenting with what system he wants to play, who he wants to play where, how he fits certain players in. So, still a bit early, but if we're going to, if you force me for an answer, I'd probably say Spain. You know, not knock on wood, like, I'm happy that we've secured our wins. I don't want to say with relative ease, but at least it hasn't been a nail-biting, edge-of-your-seat kind of thriller um, going into 90 minutes needing some heroics. But I think it'll be very interesting to see, you know, you said it's been very helter-skelter with Zidane, and I, I totally agree, but, you know, what if it comes down to it and it's, you know, week 30 around 30 or whatever you will and it's a tight race it's now tied 2-2 it's the 87th minute like do Madrid just end up reverting to whipping crosses in like there's no tomorrow or will the you know that form and structure still hold I don't know it'll be interesting to see we've seen in kind of parts of the game, at games against Girona and Atletico Madrid, strike me, where some <laughs> plays are forced out wide and just instead of maintaining composure and kind of, you know, sticking to the system, Marcelo and all those guys, they just revert to norm and just start banging the ball into the box. These crosses into nowhere. And it looks like the Zidane system. It's kind of like he's still kind of in the brain a little bit telling them to cross the ball and get it into the box. Yeah. Um I don't I don't I think that's going to slowly fade as the as the season goes on. I think in a situation like you just said there they'll stick to their system or Lopetegui will make a tactical change rather than what Zidane would do which is bring on Lucas Vasquez and Hopefully cross the ball and <laughs> Anthony, what do you think about Julian's style so far? And let's try and get into the next one. Is like, what drawbacks do you see to his style of play? Um, I mean, it's it's Spanish style football, and Zidane is definitely still in the players' minds. I mean, it's only been two games, like you said, but the drawback, I don't really see any drawbacks so far because it is beautiful football, like we said, and. I mean, if I want to Americanize it, people over here hate it. People hate the beautiful football. They're just like, yo, why don't they just like go forward? Why do they keep kicking it backwards? What are they doing? Shoot the ball because they don't understand it all. And, um, I mean, the drawback, I guess, would be that if you don't love that beautiful football, it's going to be a little bit boring to watch because it leads usually to Madrid having a ton of possession. But if the goals keep coming, I don't see really any drawbacks. Yeah, Madrid I, has dominated a stupid amount of possession over the last two games. Quite, quite insane. But I think, like you said, North Americans may find it quite boring uh, because here in North America, we're used to more action sports, such as hockey, American football. I mean, if anyone on this podcast is from America and you are going to criticize Real Madrid's new style of play, Please go watch a game of baseball and then tell me which one is more boring to watch. <laughs> then come back, follow me on Twitter at Amazon7, and then we can discuss what you think. But I think it's been beautiful. I, I think once Real Madrid kind of get into a rhythm, uh, there's like this, I, I don't know. I know I've used the word sparks a lot, but it's kind of like, it, it's like Tinkerbell, just like so joyful and just like buzzing all over the pitch. Like the ball just moves with this, like pace and like 
precision. I, it's so nice. Do you to start watch. to feel I bad mean, for the other team at any point? Because, like, randomly, once I see we have, like, 80 possession and Tony Cruz is just walking with the ball in their half, I, I really start to feel bad for the other team. I, I never feel bad. When it comes to Real Madrid, I swear to God, we could win 20 to nothing against a team in the Copa del Rey, and I'll be like, boys, good job. I'm proud of you. I, I don't feel bad for it. The severity of my reaction will depend on the team. I mean, if it's like an Atletico Madrid or a Barcelona or a Man United... <laughs> I'll be pretty violent towards them, but if it's just like a Hitafe, like or Girona or someone lesser, like like yeah, I don't feel bad, but I won't rinse them too bad. Yeah, I have, well, I have a couple of points there. Just the first one because yeah. I know I know some people will be listening and they will demand me to do it, but in the defense of baseball, it's a bit of a slow burner. It's it can be quite an entertaining. I I know I kind of follow the Mets, and they're not exactly Ugh. an entertaining team yeah i know they're very they're very very bad at the moment um the fact but, that you described baseball as a slow burner and the only other time i've heard that compared to or used to describe something is with farts so that just kind of goes hand in hand really yeah in europe it's used a lot for like games and that but it it can be quite an entertaining game if you give it a chance but kind of what i was actually wanting to say was it's not just in north america you see like people bored by by uh, Madrid style, like I saw it on social media soon after the Getafe win, like these revisionist historians would call them just going back into the Zidane era and wi- wishing back the chaotic days of like 89th minute and crossing the ball into Morata looking for the head of Morata or Ronaldo. Like it, it's great to look back on, but at the time that was just, I much preferred the comfort and the compared to the chaos that Zidane, <laughs> Zidane had as a tactical system. I think it's hilarious. Well, yeah, because it's not sustainable at all. Like, the pressure? Oh, my God. We, we saw that last season, that it's just not a sustainable model. Like, it's hard to say. It, it's not a model to begin with. It, it's really like a freaking plan D. It's not even a plan C. Yeah, it's kind of... It's hard to say too much, criticize too much about it without sounding like you're going in on Zidane, which is the last thing I'd want to do, you know? Yeah, by the way, we um, all love Zidane here. We all love so. him, like, but at the same time, you do have to recognize that his system, his model, his model of football is not nearly as good as Lopetegui's, what Lopetegui's trying to implement. Okay. We'll see. If he wins us another Champions League, then I'll, uh, I'll give him that assessment. But, uh, Hasa, what do you think are, or Chris, either one of you, um, what are the gaps that we see missing so far? I, I'm sure it's going to be something in defense, but analyze. Um, it's kind of a, a tricky one, really, because there's nothing that's glaringly standing out and staring me in the face, to be honest. The only thing I would say is maybe mobility in midfield, which sounds a bit sort of weird. I think it's quite clear to see sometimes. I think there's an instance against Girona where. Um, Marcelo was practically just jogging back to position. Uh, and Cruz was left with the responsibility of marking, is it Borja Garcia or someone like that? And literally, he like he just didn't have the speed or the mobility to get across in time to slow that down. Like That's where a player like Kovacic still would have been handy. Um, and then in the same in the same transition, you then had Casemiro left with two, two markers on him as well. So you had to deal with two players at the same time. So... That's the only drawback I've seen in that side is I think players like Isco and Marcelo especially, their discipline needs to improve a little bit. That's the only issue I've got right now. Sometimes you'll see Isco will lose a man or he lose the ball. Okay, I'm just going to leave it. Not going to chase that down. Or same with Marcelo, like you'll lose the ball and just jog back to position. It's just like you need to get back into position ASAP or it's immediately hound the man so on the ball. Small. Say again. I said, East Coast so small. Have you seen his legs? They're puny. <laughs> They're magic. Man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's the other thing. Like, if you lose the ball, like I sent all the other players doing it, is they immediately either start handling the player or they just rush back to position. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's that, like, that pressure and to be able to keep up that press just... Like you said, I think they need to they they need to be more fluid as a team in doing that. Yeah, for so sure, that but... all the all the all, like all the open space is covered as quickly as possible. Like you're saying, like get back ASAP. If not, you know, kind of 
figure it out. I don't know if you guys remember this instant, but it really stood out to me. Um, it was in the second half against Girona. Uh, I think Nacho gave up possession. And granted, he is a center back. This happened about not too far off the halfway line. He decided to, instead of continue to track the man and let Danny Carvajal cover the center back position, he ended up running back and then leaving that person all that open space, you know, a space you can't really afford. And Danny Carvajal, I think, kind of just looked at him in a weird way and they kind of had a bit of like a bump into each other. Like, what the hell are you doing or where are you going? I don't know if you guys saw that, but that kind of stood out yeah, to I me. Did. And it was... Sorry? I did. I saw it. Yeah, they kind of... It was a bit of confusion about who's going where. Yeah, and, and that's one thing is like, if it happens in, you know, the midfield, it's kind of okay because we still have four or five guys behind the ball who can take care of that. But, man, when your last line is the one doing it, uh, it, it, it kind of stressed me out for a second. And all I was thinking to myself is, oh, damn, <laughs> if it happens, it's going to be right here. Yeah, no, I see it in me. But like, I think the the issue sort of repressing anyway, I think it's something they'll come with consistency. They're still getting used to it. But in the Hitafa game, the counter-pressing was fantastic. By like against, against Girona, I don't think it was as consistent as it was in that game. Maybe that'll just be something that comes along with time. But uh, the counter-pressing against Hitafa was fantastic, but I didn't see it as such against Girona. Yeah, I think part of that is that Girona were much more adventurous than Getafe were. Yeah, there is that as well, and they weren't kicking seven shades of shit out of everybody either. <laughs> um, I'd agree. I'd have to agree about the kind of the defensive line. I don't know you like it's. I've put it down here that like seeing Ramos, who although we know he's a fantastic defender, away to Girona is just like the perfect place for Ramos to make uh... a silly mistake, and he's just. He has the ball at the feet looking for a pass, and behind him, he's just got like acres of space. And you're like, it's a nail he loses biting the ball. <laughs> yeah, and we're just completely exposed. Like, for now, we haven't. I'm just... One thing I was going to say is I think Ramos is really underrated at passing the ball. Like, I don't think people give him enough credit for how good he is at distribution. Yeah. I was about to oh, say. Oh, definitely. Especially yeah. that last game against Girona. Wow. He came, like, he's covered leaps and bounds with his long balls. Like his cross oh, yeah, field. Yeah, 100%. He's I don't know whether Zidane asked him to start doing that or has he always been like that, but he seemed to start I, like looking to switch the play from flank to flank kind of I think two I saw seasons. It ago. Beginning around, you know, when Carlo Ancelotti used to try and slot him in at CDM yeah, like an absolute quack. That's when I first kind of started seeing him like sort of stop the game a bit, looking for a pass or a long ball. Um, that's when yeah. I first saw it. So it's been kind of morphing gradually for years. Yeah, his long, like his long balls have, like I said, come leaps and bounds. You know, and I don't think even like a, a Leonardo Benucci level yet. Cause Benucci's probably the best long passer I've seen for yeah. how fucking how long, like a but, long time. Like, times he like try and pass. Two seasons ago, he was trying to pass out to Carvajal and go out for a throw in, but now he's it's near pinpoint. He'd miss yeah, maybe one yeah. every. Day. The ball just glides. Yeah, but yeah, can we just like highlight that penalty though? Oh, the like, penalty! Oh, yeah. I was about to say, can we take a minute to just talk about that Paneka? Beautiful. That is disgusting. Like the audacity. If I'm not wrong, that was like the goal to tie the game. Like, can you imagine if you screw that up? I tell yeah. my friend. Literally, the whole world will make fun of you until the next La Liga match. Like was, that takes courage. I, I, I was said to my friend, and I said the audacity of that. He probably had to tie his balls to his legs if he's got balls to do that. Yeah, I was skeptical about him taking penalties right until the Panenka went into the net. <laughs> I was like, ah. but like I, I mean, I, I think he did that against Sevilla. He did, yeah, he did. Rate, he pissed them off Yeah, and I was like, oh my god. Anyway, um. Speaking of taking those penalties and scoring goals, Ronaldo used to be our penalty taker. Ooh. Ronaldo's now gone. Sorry, I said Cristiano Ronaldo. Can you hear? Did you get Wait, that? Who's Ronaldo? Ronaldo? I've never heard oh, of this you guy. Guys don't know? Like, Who is it? Great, greatest player of all time. No, like, you mean Champions League? Do you mean the guy just goals. won the UEFA uh, Goal of the Year? I, I don't know. Is that guy? 
Yeah, he's kind of like a club legend. Didn't leave on good terms. So, listeners, as you can tell, people are still salty as ever. Um, <laughs> I'm just erasing from memory. But really, though, yeah, the, the goals are coming, though. So, uh, Real Madrid, top of the table. Um, I mean, it's only game two. But w- what is impressive is the goal difference. Uh, obviously, it's at five. That's why we are top of the table, whereas Barcelona has a goal difference of four. Uh, six goals in two games. Four goals in one, two in the other. I think it's pretty good so far, considering our talisman is no longer here. We have a new talisman. Uh, but do you guys think this is sustainable I, at the end of the I day? Can so. these goals keep coming? I think because I think Lovatay is implementing the whole sort of this is a collective unit, um, which is something obviously Madrid lacked for. Uh, it's not even like recent years, tens of years, like twenty, good ten, twenty years, but it's been like a collective unit um there's no like individual player you're looking at and you're thinking yeah the ball always goes to that one man that's it that's it that's it it's not geared just to one man anymore and i think that's going to massively benefit the team going forward because it means confidence to be shared amongst the entire side it means that it's going to be more difficult for opponents to mark you know a certain one player out if we've got multiple options i think you're better off that way um so i think Given how the season started, I mean, I would never have guessed you would have blitzed 4-1 against your owner away. At the Bernabeu, maybe, but not away. Like, that's something I wouldn't have expected from Madrid for some, or ever, really, in the last couple of years. Um, I, I'm in no means trying to shit on Ronaldo and everything that he's done for the club. Still, like, I I adore him. I Even if he's at Juve, like, I still always will, regardless of where he goes. Unless it's Barcelona. Then, then, uh, that I don't think you'd ever do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you'd ever do that. It would never happen, but, you know, like in an alternate universe, maybe it has happened. So I just want to make sure, just throw that out there. Um, But I was going to say, I, I think it's nice, you know, in a sense that he's not there because uh, it kind of, like, it, it frees up one position. I feel like we never really had a starting 11. It was just a starting 10. Because, you know, Ronaldo's going to have to be on that left wing. Yeah. I think now, like Hassan kind of said, that there's so many more options and so many more combinations that you can make. And I'm I'm really digging that that free space because it allows for a player like of Marco Asensio's pedigree to be able to grow and, you know, kind of produce. But uh, the, Anthony and Chris, do you think this is sustainable to, to keep scoring and have this goal difference hang in our favor? Well, I think it's worth looking like, well, since I've been designated stat man, so I'm going <laughs> to continue with that. Super Cup, we scored two goals against the best defence of last season. Getafe were the third best defence last season. The Girona game, kind of, we have to take it with a pinch of salt. I put this up on Twitter, but I'll say it again. Eusebio Sacristan loves getting battered by Madrid. So, yeah, from my character, I can't <laughs> remember how many goals I said beforehand but from my count uh, 21 I, and 6 yeah it's now 25 and 7 he and the previous four meetings he lost 3-0 and now he's lost this one 4-1 so with that in mind you kind of have to take it with a bit of salt um, Bale's like I said it before Bale just looks fantastic I think if I agree that there's no one clear like Ronaldo figure in the team anymore but if there's anyone who's kind of close to it it's probably Bale he's just he seems like the most productive offensive player we have which is a worry when if he gets injured but in that and this is what I've written down here in that regard I hope Isco and Asensio start finding some consistent form for when that happens because if it does uh, at least like Kasson said there's another 10 players on the pitch who are in form well capable of getting on the score sheet See, for me, I just feel like it, the goals are going to keep coming as long as Bale stays healthy, like you said. As much as it pains me to say this, Bale is easily the most consistent goal scorer on the team. I love Isco, I love Benzema, I love Asensio, but they just don't give me the same confidence as Bale going in because he's on his, what, sixth straight La Liga match with a goal? Still Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, it's, and that's, it's just when you pass it to yeah, when you pass it to Bale, things happen. He gets a shot, he gets a cross. There's just something going to happen when you get the ball to him. I think, and this is when I, when I say 
things happen. The image in my mind is when in, against Girona, when Marcelo just switched the play over to Bale in space and Bale just chests it down and whacks it at Bono. And goalkeepers brilliantly made the save, but it just kind of epitomised what Bale brings to this team. Just an ability to get a shot off and the, the ability to get the shot off when it didn't seem possible. I think the most, like, outside of Bale, I think this was the heat I said I was packing earlier. I think Benzema will pull off that 20 plus a goal season. <laughs> um, and I think that's what's going to make this sustainable. So that's just my little, I, my two cents yeah, I, on that. Like, we were skeptical in the last, I think it was the third of when you said, but like, haven't seen his performances in the last two games. It doesn't seem impossible. The only issue is, is that. At the moment, he's sharing that goal-scoring burden. So, it's, this is the constant thing that's going to be shattering over our season. If Bale gets injured, how is Kareem going to react to shouldering most of the offensive burden? It does. It just depends on how the pieces connect. It's still so early. And, it, you know, if Isco and Asensio come into form, then Benzema's going to be fine. But if, like, if Isco and Asensio continue to be very hot and cold, and then Kareem's just left up on his own, I think that we're yeah. going to see a whole different Benzema this year. I mean, they gave him the uh, assistant captain role. And as much as it hurts again, France really <clears throat> did a number to Benzema's confidence, the French national team. So I think that seeing them win a World Cup kind of pushed him. He looks more fit. He's scoring goals again. I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder because of that because he's just like, all right, you guys went and won the World Cup without me. Ed Giroud up top when you could have used me the whole time, but kind of like whatever yeah. you're about to learn today. Like, I think they would have looked a lot more convincing winning the World Cup with Benzema up front. Oh yeah. Also, Giroud. At least he would have scored a goal, probably. <laughs> he probably. Yeah, yeah he would have probably put one on net at least. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, it just really it's still early, and it's so much. So, I really am kind of prepared for the day that Bale goes down and is out. And that will be the real test of this team. Like how the pieces have come together, who's in, you know, where the goal is going to come from. You know, that's going to be the true test, I think. We're still waiting for that. Let's hope it never happens. I was about to say, I, I don't, I'm not waiting for that at all. I'm just going to put that in the back of my mind. Like it's never going to happen. <laughs> that's all I've been trying to do. Anyway. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Any any uh any more thoughts before we move on to all the juicy transfer gossip? I'd say the only thing I've sort of got in my mind is I saw someone put a comment saying beating Minos doesn't win you a league. I think last year the only reason we fell so far behind Barcelona was because we fell to every single Minnow under the sun. If you think about it. Agreed. Definitely These, preach. Usually majority of the last two, three years, we go to Girona away and lose two one. Like quite easily. Or we go to, if we play Hatafe at home and draw like too, too stupidly or something like that. Well, like, at the start, you know, we yeah, had only one Ramos red card or give up a penalty, and we'll just yeah. end up we... blowing the game. That's what I mean. That's what I'm thinking. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if we can continue like that, we can see we'll dust these minnows off convincingly. We should be okay. The big, the big games will be the test, like against the Valencia, for example, against the Sevilla, and then even bigger games against you know your Barcelonas and Atleticos. Well, Valencia yeah. just lost to uh, Espanyol, didn't they? Say it, sorry. They got Guedes, Valencia too. Valencia just so. lost to Espanyol, didn't they, like, this past Yeah, week? they did, yeah. They, they've just signed Guedes back, which is a big deal for them because he was very, very good last season. Yeah, I was going to say, with all the transfer moves they made, I really like some of the moves. £47 million pounds as well. Like, that's such a bargain. Really? That's I don't think that's that expensive really at all. That's I can't cheaper. believe that. And then... They were trying to charge us, like, how much for Rodrigo? What'd they say? Like, 100, 120 million. million. Yeah, I, I just don't know how that adds up, but whatever. We don't, we don't need him anyway. We're fine. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. All right. Uh, Chris or Anthony, any last comments on uh, our season so far? I just think that Bale should have Velcro on his shoes instead of shoelaces, because every time he ties his shoelaces, I have a heart attack. <laughs> so that's the I only thing I have said. to add 
Or maybe this should, he should go back to like reverting to tying, or rather taping his boots. Remember when players would do that? They'd put tape around their boots. I, yeah, I that's remember Beckham did that a bit. That was just anything that stops I never from understood. down. I just flinch when he touches his calf. Anytime he touches any of it, anything. To, oh. Yeah, oh, it's not. I cringe. It's not. It's just, or his knee. He gets like tackled a bit. Yeah. yeah, and then he's there like. Uh, I think the whole like, massaging his knee. Yeah, I get worried anytime he really reaches for a ball. If I'm being honest. Yeah, no, so do I. I just think we should just wrap him, wrap him up in bubble wrap outside the game to just. Leave him in a... Seriously though, there should be like a rule. If you're not like, if we're not defending in our own half, like, don't lunge, do not reach, do not let your leg extend within like ten centimeters of your hip. Like, I don't know, but there should be something that he's told. Just like I think, I think as soon as like it's three one or four one, like it was against Rome, Lopetegui should just take him off and lock him in a big. I agree. Ball. Don't like and cover the bubble wrap and don't let him see his wife and children twice a week if he behaves himself. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, I agree. Seriously, like if it's 3 1 and the game is like all wrapped and it's 70th minute, put on Lucas Vasquez there. I think he definitely has like the discipline, the pace, like the wherewithal to be able to hold the fort. Like, take Bale off. Why is he playing an extra 20 minutes? So irritating for me watching basketball. I was really surprised not to see Ceballos or even Vinicius go in. For the, when we're up 4-1, I don't understand why we don't give them an opportunity to try and go make make people know why we spent the money on them. Totally. Very well, hard. Vinicius couldn't play on on Sunday against Girona. No, I'm just saying, for example, those type of games. Like, if we're up... Oh, okay. Like, okay. in the last 25, 30 minutes, you can throw them in. I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. I think we'll see it later on, but at the moment, to it's bring just Maldry about getting... It's kind of like a slap to the face of the other team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's fitness. Like, just getting the team back up to match day fitness, and then we'll see, like, the likes of Ceballos and that getting their chances. But for now, it's going to be get the first team fit, and then they can be rested. Dope. Well, let's... Uh... Let's rest the La Liga talk and let's heat up, or as Chris says, slow burn the transfer market, which isn't really slow burning right now. It's been pretty on fire uh, this last week. So quite quite a few things have happened. We'll discuss it one by one. But just to highlight, Madrid says the rumors are ridiculous. Lunin's on loan. Lucas Edan gets sent back to Castilla. What does that mean for our goalkeeper situation? Martin Odegaard is gone again. And what's going on with Vinicius Jr.? Of course, some of the bigger ones, though, are Mariano Diaz might come back to Real Madrid. And what's going on with the fair play thingy? You notice how, like, I don't even know what it's called because it's such garbage. Why not? Like, I don't even know what it... I'm hosting this podcast, and I don't even know what that governing body does. That's how useless they are. Anyway... Let's go back to the top and start. Modric says the rumors are ridiculous. Does that mean he's going to stay? For sure? Yeah, I think it's pretty certain now. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Cool. I, I was never was worried about him leaving. Uh, right when I heard that, I was yeah, like, why would he go to Inter Milan when he's already on Real Madrid? Are you serious? I was absolutely bricking. Really? I was, I was shitting my pants, like, quite literally. <laughs> yep. Sold myself nicely. Get my... I, I agree with Anthony. I was never... Concerned, even I, he's never shown any sign of wanting to leave. But like his buyout clause was, I think I don't think any club makes seven hundred more than seven hundred fifty million. Like I, I mean, Ronaldo's was a billion. Yeah, that's still happened. Inter don't make that type of. I cannot. They weren't. We weren't going to sell them, and Inter would have to pay that buyout clause. And Inter aren't don't aren't making that type of money to pay out his buyout clause. So I don't know. I didn't think it was ever a thing to begin with. I don't know, it's just because after the whole Ronaldo thing, I was like, you know, anything could freaking well happen in this world. Essentially. I know it's different because he wanted to leave. I know that's different, but like, he was completely content only, what, four months ago? And then all of a sudden, just one one few instances can change anything. So I was just like, no, please don't do this to me. Well, that's good. That's like under wraps. Sorry, Chris, go ahead. My bad. It's a podcast in itself to talk about why Ronaldo left, but I don't, I don't know. I can't imagine he was that content 
to just pack up and leave in the summer, in like midway through the season. I think maybe like one day, ten years from now, when like all the emotions have left and we're all thinking logically, we'll all sit down together and we'll run another podcast <laughs> just about that. Uh, if you guys feel that yeah. strongly about Ronaldo, you will uh, you will not like that. I would have been okay with selling him last year. No, 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 no. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so uh, just so we don't get carried away, because I'd like to talk about the transfer stuff, we're going to table that, Anthony, and we're going to talk about it in another day, for sure. Because that, that's a bold claim. Uh, but anyway, so the the Modric midfield situation is sorted out. On to our goalkeeper situation. I think it was our second podcast. We were really discussing who the heck our, our three goalkeepers would be, because typically that's how many uh, there are. Um it looks to be sorted out now. As we said earlier, Lunin got sent out and Lucas Zidane's back to Castilla. So technically, he's still available. But Hassan and Chris, aren't you guys so happy that Kiko Castilla still with us? No. <laughs> yeah, you don't lie. Come on. When I saw Severe were interested, I was like, Severe, just take him away. I'll pump <laughs> for free. I will fly to Madrid. We'll pay, we'll pay you. I will personally pack his bag and piggyback him to Severe if I have to. Literally, that's how badly oh, I want God. him out. You know, I was kind of okay until I heard that he makes over two million a year for waving the uh, the uh, substitute board with the number of Champions League we've won when at the finals. But like, yeah, I think I, I feel like Kiko Casilla is somehow like Florentino Paris is like fourth step half removed nephew or something, <laughs> and that's why he's still at Real Madrid. Like. Yeah, it's like one of his neighbor's nephews or something. Exactly. No, I think I think <laughs> I want I want Casilla out worse than Arsenal fans wanted Wenger out last season. That's how bad I'm. Uh, <laughs> well, that's well, my turn. Casilla's yeah, just become I, our Wenger. That's crazy. He can't leave though now because this is our three. But looking at the two main guys, so we paid a fair sum for this guy. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but his name is Thibaut Courtois. He was from Chelsea Football Club in London in the Premier League. So he's now at Madrid, uh, which he's, he was really happy about. <laughs> We're two games in, uh, including the UEFA Super Cup, and he hasn't started yet or played. I mean, obviously you're not going to substitute your goalie unless you really have to. But am I the only one finding that a bit odd, or is that like a respect thing? Uh, I think it's a respect thing. Get to play? I think it's a respect thing because uh, obviously – Plus, Navas did half play the game of his life against Girona. So, there were moments I was just like, is this guy, like, is he on peds or something? Because the amount of dives that he was making. I saw yeah, the rea- definitely. It was incredible. Yo, <laughs> was Costa Rica. That's, that's, like, literally what he has to do every single game he plays with Costa Rica. So, I feel like anytime he plays with his national team, it's, like, a nice warm-up for the Madrid season. It's like, oh, cool. I get Marcel channeled it, yeah. Carvajal again. Thank God. But um, no, I think it's a respect thing. I think you don't want to unsettle the apple cart just yet by forcing him out just because you brought Courtois in. Because I also said Chelsea are the biggest morons on the planet. They they gave us Courtois for what forty million pounds, and it took a racket channel without a buy out a buy a buy clause. How stupid did your board have to be? It's okay. It's good for us. No, but it's just I can't quite believe it still. <laughs> yeah. Chris, what do you think? So does that mean like Courtois doesn't start until Navas shits the bed? Yeah, I, you know, there's very little negatives to this deal. Uh, if he was cheap, he was young, and he's you know he's signed down to a six-year contract now, and I imagine the release clause is very high. So we have we kind of have all the cards. Um, I agree that I think it would have been awful cruel to Navas, especially considering the preseason he put in to just dump him after Courtois, after we bought Courtois, especially considering when he came to the club, it took him ages, also took him ages to get in, even though Casillas was clearly on the way down. Um, Yeah, I think he's going to get his chances. He'll get his chances in the cup competitions, one would presume. And also in comparison to like other goalkeepers, Navas is quite injury prone, so he's going to get. I, he probably will get a chance when if Navas gets injured. 
cross your fingers, hope that doesn't happen, because that's a situation you never want. Yeah, I say this all touching wood, you know, hoping that it won't happen, but, like... Yeah, because you never know. Kiko Casilla could be starting. No. And then Hassan would be so happy. Stop it. And who wants to be Hassan happy to see Hassan happy? (laughs) Nobody. Behave yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Behavior. I haven't heard that said to me in so long. Wow. Um, So it looks like our three cemented. On to Martin Odegaard. He's been sent out again. This is a bit of a, a weird, like, conundrum, at least in my eyes. Uh, a few years ago, everyone's like, whoa, this Norwegian kid, he's awesome. He's amazing. Barcelona fights for him. We throw our hat in the ring. Um, he picks us at the end. But then I'm not saying he should be with the first team, but are the teams that he's being sent out to really the best options, or would he rather be with Castilla or... What would you do? Why is it Vitez? Like, with... why Vitez? If you could get Lunin out to Leganes, why couldn't you get Own Guard out to a similar side or the same side? Surely they would have had offers from the Liga clubs, at least like one or two. I don't understand that logic whatsoever. If you, if you could get Lunin, who's, let's be honest, not as hyped up, no one really knew who he was prior to him signing with Madrid. Own Guard was a very big talent across Europe. You're telling me you couldn't get him to a semi-decent La Liga club. I don't understand the I logic mean, in that whatsoever. Andre Lunin isn't even verified on Instagram. There you go. Just so you guys know like, how irrelevant he was up until Real Madrid's life. And I'm, I'm not taking any credit away from him. He'll probably be more successful than I'll ever be, at least in football. Maybe not mentally, but that's okay. Um, But like you said, it, it's a bit odd, especially given that I feel like Real Madrid has these relationships with some teams in La Liga, like Espanyol. We've loaned a few of our players out to Espanyol, most notably Marco Asensio, and I believe Lucas Vasquez. Yes, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Odd choice. I don't know. Um, Chris, I want to hear what you think because you were quite, uh, I want to say an advocate, but I know you like Vinicius. What do you, what's the deal with him? So, for those of you who don't know, uh, this past week, Vinicius spent the weekend um, with the Castilla team. So, Madrid, you know, one step down uh, team. So, the way it works is every week, he will either have the option, well, not he, but Julen will either make the decision to have him train and participate and be in the match day or the team sheet for the next round of La Liga, or he'll go and spend his time with the Castilla. How does that go down for a whole season? Um, well, I agree. I think it was the club were kind of caught in between two minds in the sense that on one hand, we were very thin on attacking depth, but on the other, they wanted to kind of develop Vinicius and not have him sit on our bench. So they kind of thought, we'll, we'll choose the middle ground and send him to Castilla, which it's great for Madrid to have an option to call him up, considering we are thin... Con- at the moment, 10 on attacking depth, and it's great for Castilla because I presume they're going to enjoy some of their highest viewing figures in years, thanks to the move. It's not... For those who watch Castilla, they'll agree with me, it is not a good move for Vinicius because Santiago Solari is a disaster of a coach. Um, <laughs> he's nearly got Castilla... He nearly got Castilla relegated last season. He... We're like... They're probably going to be in the same position again next season. He's... um. He's hurt the chances of most of that Castilla team, which has, as kind of a side note, a lot of that Castilla team also possesses possesses players from Gucci's Juvenile A side that won the treble a few seasons ago. Uh, I'll use an example here. Sergio Diaz, we were talking about him before the podcast started. He was called the next Sergio Aguero a few years ago. Uh, scored five times in thirteen game for in his first thirteen games, and then Solari decided I'll make him a winger, and he just he was never the same. He got loaned out to uh, Segunda, had a injury, and now has ended up back in Brazil trying to recover from from the horror show that was Santiago Solari. But yeah, it's just he's he's going to suffer. Like Castilla, probably are going to fight relegation again. Solari is probably going to do something crazy like put him at centre back or something and <laughs> it's just going to be it's, it's not going to be pleasant it's just not going to be pleasant I, I just think it's an all around weird move and I, I agree with you I think if he is going to stay with the first team in a sense there's no point because if Marcos Llorente 
and Danny Ceballos are getting a whole load of first-team minutes, what reason do you have to think that Vinicius Jr. would? And I'm not saying that, you know, he's not a great player, but it just doesn't make sense to me. And again, I think it kind of comes down to that whole, you know, similar to the Martin Odegaard situation, like like Hassan said, why not loan him out to another team? We've, in general, the clubs had a really bad loan window this summer, which is crazy because we've the last two summers we've had really good loan deals we've done really well in terms of that but this summer has been a real drop off in form uh the only upside and the same could be said for Odegaard is that they're still very very young like Odegaard's 19 I think Vinicius is 18 17 or 18 so yeah the only upside is is that both players are going to get a lot of playing time in their respective clubs which at that age you have to kind of more so with Odegaard and Vinicius, but you do have to be happy about because with the more more they can demonstrate their talent, the more they can rise their stock in Europe and hopefully earn a better loan move next summer. Well, now that I've finally remembered what it's called, by the way, I'm talking about the financial, financial fair play. play yeah. And yeah, I did Google it just for anyone who thinks that I've Googled it. <clears throat> it came into my head. So yeah. Um, Anthony, what do you think about this whole FFP situation with Kylian Mbappe? Do you think there's going to be like some crazy blockbuster deal just a few days before the window closes? Um, I don't think PSG can really afford to lose. Well, I mean, I know they can't afford it, but I, I don't think PSG can fill the hole of losing Mbappe. So they're going to do everything in their power to not lose him and as we can tell, financial fair play is willing to play ball with pretty much whoever, regardless of what you do. They're going to come down real hard on them, and then the next day probably be like, uh, yeah, we were just kidding. It's just going to be this small fine. And that could low-key be some PSG shadiness, maybe some under-the-table money. I don't know what's going on with financial fair play. It seems like they know what they're doing, and then next thing you know, all of a sudden they get soft. But I would love, love, love to see Mbappe in a Real Madrid kit. And if you throw Mbappe into our uh, our front situation that we have with Benzema and uh, Gareth Bale, I think it easily puts us back into at least top three to win the Champions League. And you heard that from me first. What's up? At AJ. We're going to win the Champions League for the first time in a row. Thank you. Well, if we do win the Champions League for the fourth time in a row, I will be super, super pumped about it. After we um, won our first one, I said we were going to win five straight with Zidane, so I was feeling uh, very confident then. Maybe some drinks, but... The screenshots are it never happened. <laughs> Gotta do what you got to do. Um, so, w- any other thoughts on that Mbappe... Feasibility out of ten, Hassan and Chris. What do you? What would you? I don't know. Out of the 10? story originates from asshole. I mean, sorry, AS. Um, but yeah, it originates from them. So I think feasibility is probably very low. I mean, because PSG just, I think UEFA are probably scared of PSG, so, or as Barca fans call them, QSG. I think for this one time, I'll agree with them. For for the only time in my lifetime, I'll agree with them. Um. I think there's definitely some dodgy shit going on over there. I I, I don't know. I think you. I think the FFP is just to cover up for UEFA to look like there's some sort of clean com like clean commission or whatever you want to call them. I don't know if they're a commission or a company, or whatever they are, board or whatever you want to call them. Um, I don't think they're exactly the most ethical people. I mean, FIFA alone are pretty unethical, so I can't imagine UEFA are far behind. So no, I don't think it's gonna. Happen. I dream for it to happen. I'd love for it to happen, but I just I don't think it'll happen. Chris, what do you think? I, I agree. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, well, I think it'd be interesting to see how the Day's deal impacts that in terms of their, you know, the money. They in terms of uh, does it bring down their financial state? Does it kind of change their financial health and FFP or like it be grand? Uh, but one way or another, I don't think it's going to happen. I think PSG have way too much pulling power in terms of, like they're backed by the Qatari royal family. So I really don't think UEFA are going to uh, mess with them. I think financial fair play is more of a 
look like we're trying to do something, but in actual fact, we're not cover really up. doing anything at all. Definite cover up. Yeah. Yeah, not to get too political, but we'll uh, we'll leave it right out there on the edge of getting uh, politically correct or incorrect, however you want to see. Correct, it. man. But correct. <laughs> Correct. Sticking with uh, another player who plays in league, uh, uh, one of our former players, Mariano Diaz. Don't know if you guys remember him, but he scored some pretty cool goals in that 2016-17 season. I uh, thought it was pretty impressive. Just saying, not trying to blow my own horn here, but this was another idea I threw out in our group chat at The Real Chance. I said, hey guys, what about Mariano Diaz? as a possibility as a backup striker because Borja just does not cut it for anybody. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Um, I think, Chris, uh, I know you said yeah, before we it. started, it's picked up steam. But yeah, sorry, go on. Whoever would like to say it. You go first if you want, mine's cool. <laughs> oh, no, I'll go first. Um, I think it comes down to if he could bring that form back from France because I've always said that I don't buy Liga and as a good parameter of how good a player is um, just because I, I don't rate it that much as a league so I think if he can if he can come back and bring that form with him and convincingly put in 10 to 15 goals and yeah I think 20 million pounds well invested but uh, if he comes back and this is basically a dud from the league and then I won't particularly be too disappointed because I would just I don't know I'm still very apprehensive I sort of don't think he's going to deliver as such but at the same rate this potential for him to do it. I'm a bit on the fence with it. I think for 50, for twenty million pounds, it's 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 basically low risk. So yeah, why not? Well, considering what he said on Twitter about a week ago, I guess uh, we know that the possibility, the feasibility of it could happen. Uh, given that he said you don't say no to Real Madrid when they call. But Christopher Anthony, what do you think about the idea of Mariano Diaz coming back? I'm gonna let Chris take this. So, Christopher, what are your what are your thoughts on the idea of having Mariano Diaz come back to Real Madrid? Uh, I agree with everyone else. I think he's a really good option. I think if he's different to what we already have, he's not really Lopetegui's type of striker. But uh, if he scores the goals, I don't think anyone's gonna care. At the end of the day, the bottom line at Madrid is goals and trophies. That's all it is. Doesn't matter how you get there. Um. I think that's it for our transfer talk, I guess. Uh, do you guys see anything else coming out of the woodwork, out of the blue? Or and do you think this squad is pretty much set for the season? I think season? it's pretty much set now, man. Like, I don't think uh, anyone else is being purchased unless by some absolute divine miracle PSG gets shafted by UEFA and we get Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, well, that'd be hilarious and also a big shock. I agree. Um, the only other thing I'd mention is Lunion is probably went to Leganas, which is probably the only decent loan we've made all summer. Yeah, because I've, I've got to see Borja's going to rot on our bench now for some for season. I hope time. not. I hope the Mariano deal means he gets to go out and loan because he is a very good player. He just hasn't had the chance to show it yet. Yeah, I think Wolfsburg was a really bad move for him. That was a very bad yeah. move for him. But who knows? Well, I think that's it. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we're good. Um, for all of you who've listened, thank you so much for listening to another podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, please share this podcast with your friends, with your other Madrid fans, even if they're not Madrid fans, just so they know what's going on about Real Madrid. This is the best club in the world anyway, so why wouldn't you know? want to know about what's going on? But we really appreciate you taking time out of your day or your drive or whatever you may be doing. Uh, on behalf of all the, the gentlemen here, and myself would like to just hope you have a great rest of your day and look forward to seeing you back on the next podcast. Of course, continue to check up on the site and our social media for updates on all things Real Madrid. Anyway, uh, hope you enjoyed. Uh, thank you so much.